Throughout my lifetime, I've seen some incredible sunrises. You all, you all remember specific sunrises, places that you were, that you can kind of go back and almost relive those? Sadly, you saw that, uh, that Beckett was here this morning. One of the things that I've found over the last few uh, years is I'm seeing more sunrises. For some reason, Beckett is excited about these things. In fact, he gets up at about 5.30 in the morning. Ready to see the sunrise? But I remember one in particular that happened in Perryville, Arkansas. That's in the northern part of Arkansas in the hills up there at a place called Heifer, the Heifer Ranch. You may have seen these. You may have gotten a gift one time of someone who gifted you like a, a bunny, or maybe a duck, or maybe even a water buffalo, but Heifer is an organization that sends animals and helps with feeding all over the world, and they have a place in um, Perryville, Arkansas that's called the Heifer Ranch, and one of my favorite things to do is to take young people there because it's an experience of service and learning when you go. You work on the farm doing things like pulling fence or painting a barn, or maybe you're dealing with livestock, helping move animals from one place to another. You might be even picking your food for the night, or you might even be milking a goat, which I have done. It's a great experience because while you're working, you're also learning and finding out more about what life is like all over the world, especially when it comes to food. The, the experience culminates around um, what's called the Global Village Experience. And it happens where they send you out one evening out into the hills there for you to spend the night as a different people group from all over the world. And you're divided up into different groups. There are some that are placed in the Thai village, which is where I spent one of my nights. You could be in Honduras. You could be a refugee. You might also be in Appalachia or in... Um, or in Brazil. And so all of these different places, you live the night in the place that reflects the place that you, that one of those places. So the one that I remember of that morning was when we were in the Thai village. And it was this great place. And the thing is, they put the kids in charge. It's kind of wild. They're in charge of the whole village for the night. And we as adults are just kind of there as the the elder, we're supposed to make sure that, you know, nobody gets into big trouble, but we just kind of hang out. We don't do it for them. So I was sitting there being the, the elder and, and playing up my part, and the kids were trying to get dinner ready because they make the meal. So if they don't make it, I don't eat. But they're not asking me questions about how much spice they should put into the rice and the potatoes. So I'm just taking deep breaths. But I saw that one of the middle schoolers had wandered off, and we're on the edge of the global village, and on the other side was this kind of area that they used to keep sheep and goats in, and it was divided by this little thin wired fence. Now, many of you who have been around the farm know that when you see these thin wires that are the fence, what does that tell you? Electric fence. One of the kids came up and he got, I said, hey, 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 I'm just the elder, but I don't know if I'd touch that. What is it, Chad? Well, that's what we call an electric fence. And I explained to him the flow of electricity as I best knew it, explained to me by Mr. Poolstra, my junior AP physics teacher. 
He explained to me in great detail how electricity can flow through the body, why it shocks us, and what it does to our muscles the more energy that goes through there. That's a fascinating thing. We got him off tangent a ton of times on that one. And so I explained that. And so this young man said, if I touch it, will it hurt? And I said, well, I'll tell you this. The one that's up top with the camels and the water buffalo, if you touch that one, it's going to knock you onto the ground. But this one, there's not a whole lot of current running through it, so you're probably okay. Well, as you know, with some people, you can tell them something, but what do they have to do? they got to try it themselves. And so the kid went over. Ah, and his buddy was like, did it hurt? Did it hurt? And he was like, ah. He goes, and so what does his buddy do? <laughs> well, I'm kind of sitting there loving this because, I mean, it's always fun to watch middle schoolers kind of shock themselves. <laughs> and seeing that it knocked, didn't knock anybody out, no one was on the ground and nothing was burning, I said, now you do know that the more people you put in the chain, if one person grabs onto it at the same time, the electricity will flow through all of you. Oh, this got him really going. We got to go get the folks from the, from the refugee village and from the ones over in the yurt over there. They got like 15 people together. And it was great. They all held hands and they said, okay, on the count of three, you grab. <laughs> you know that anticipation? And all of a sudden, they grabbed. And they jumped up. No, no, we got to keep doing it. And they let the, the electricity flow through them. Oh, my gosh. It was like an hour and a half of incredible fun. They kept saying, Chad, do you want to do this? I said, no, I'm having enough fun here. <laughs> but it was this amazing thing. These kids coming together, experiencing something that they had never experienced before. And I did get to eat that night. It was very good rice that was not quite done, but the potatoes were decent and they'd used just enough salt. And I slept on the floor of that hut. And when I woke up in the morning, I could see this beautiful sunrise coming up over one of the ponds. And I sat there in this space in which we were learning and experiencing about God's love and what it meant to feed the world in a powerful way. I wonder what the sunrise was like when those women were making their way to the tomb on that first Easter morning. You had Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and, and other women going to the tomb. It means that they had gotten up much earlier than the sunrise to gather the things that they had needed so that they could go and that they could do the service that was in their hearts to take care of the one that they loved, Jesus. When we go to, to tombs, when we go to graves, when we go to cemeteries, we go to remember. And I wonder what the conversation was like as they made their way through that darkness as the first bits of light began to emerge. If they shared the stories about how they had, um, of the things that had happened that week just before, or maybe they were sharing stories about the first time that they met Jesus. Maybe they were sharing stories about um, what he had done and what they had seen, and maybe when they had become part of the group that followed him around, 
to hear what it was that he was saying. So by the time that they got to the tomb and the first bits of dawn were beginning to emerge, they saw that this tomb, now that the the stone had been rolled away, I wonder what was going through their minds. The story tells us that that they, they immediately go in and look to see what was going on, to see if someone had been kind to roll the stone away or if what had happened, somebody had broken in to try and to rob the grave or what. And so they look in and they see two men there in the tomb. Now, what's beautiful about all these is that we get four different stories of the Easter moment, of that first Easter Sunday. A couple of them have angels that are there. Um, some of them have where Jesus is actually meets someone. Mary meets Jesus in the garden. That's in John's gospel. But in Luke, Luke, it's important that he has two people there in dazzling white sharing questions. Why do you seek the living among the dead? It's ironic that these women who were going there to remember Jesus, that were probably talking about the stories of his ministry, they get there and they had forgotten that Jesus had already told them that this had to happen. But that they, when they came, there would be an empty tomb. I don't know if you caught this or not, but but they didn't get to see Jesus. All they find is an empty tomb. All they find in there are more questions instead of answers. And instead of trying to investigate more, trying to go and find him or do this, what do they do? They go and share the good news immediately with the disciples and with the others that were following Jesus around there. They immediately go to them and they say, we have gone to the tomb and the tomb is empty. And they reminded us of what Jesus had said. And the disciples, they cast them aside. They say, you just don't know what you're talking about. Peter, on his own, decides that he's going to have a morning run and takes off to see exactly because he doesn't quite believe exactly what it is that they're saying. And so he has to go and stoop down and look. Now, we don't get an idea as to whether the, the men were still there or not, but he sees that the tomb is empty and he is filled with amazement. The thing that I appreciate about this is that nowhere in this story do these people talk about the fact that they figured it all out. They still have to experience it for themselves. They're still trying to figure out what it all means. The disciples still don't understand exactly this good news that these women are preaching to them and sharing. Peter has to go and make his way and go and look in the tomb and try and figure it out himself because the reality, the reason that it means so much to me is that most of the time when I get up at 5.15 in the morning with Beckett, I don't have this stuff all figured out. I don't have life all figured out. But what it seems to me is that this story does one thing in a powerful way. It invites us 
to think about it. It invites us to wonder ourselves. It invites us to go on that run ourselves, to take off and to go and see for ourselves what is happening, what is going on, and to try and figure this stuff out even when we don't know for sure right now. Because I think there's this misconception that exists out there that people who are, and I put this in air quotes, Christians, followers of Jesus, have it all figured out. We always do the right thing and we always know what we're supposed to say. The reality is, is we don't. We just get to do this together. The reason I love worship and wonder and where the young people are today is that Richard's going to sit down and he's going to, with those young people, he's going to gather and tell the Easter story in front of them. And then he's going to ask a question. He's going to say, I wonder what it might have been like to be there on that first Easter morning. And he's going to let the young people wonder and think. And then, without answering and telling them exactly what they need to believe, what they need to think, he's going to let God work. He's going to let the community exist so that we can try and live that whole thing out. Because that's what it's all about, is doing this whole thing together. If you've been here for Lent or you've been listening on the podcast or you're at home or whatever, you remember that every time that I've told the story this week or these, these last 40 days, that I've reminded you that Luke is always reminding us that everybody matters. Every voice has a place. Everyone is created in the image of God and that it takes the whole community to come together. Jesus is always doing that. People are always trying to push people this way, trying to push people that way, saying, well, these people are in and these people are out. These people are better than this and these people are better than that. And Jesus is always saying, you can't do that. Everyone matters. And that's what community is all about. And that, that is what I believe this Easter story is all about, is doing this figuring out, this living out together. One of the things that we found out when I was with those young people down in Heifer is that when we were pulling fence, the more hands you had, the better. When we were moving the cattle from one grazing area to the other, the more folks that you had that you could spread out to kind of move them that way, the better. When we were picking beans, when we were spending time working and helping, the more hands, the better. And also, it was a whole lot more fun because we got to tell stories with each other. We got to talk about the music that we loved. We got to talk about our life and the things that we enjoyed doing. The more time we had together, our time was enriched and I learned more. I want to invite you this Easter on a journey. I want to invite you to remember that this is only the start 
Mike read it. He said, remember, it's the first day of the week. The first day of the week. It's just the first step. And then, not only is it just the first day of the week, it's dawn. The day hasn't even come. We got all kinds of time to work, to play, to spend time together, to wonder together about what God is calling us to do and be. Right after, uh, right at the very beginning of, the, of Luke's gospel, Zechariah, who is um, John the Baptist's dad, he is singing praises. And he says, it's interesting, he says, by the tender mercy of God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's the thing. We've been sitting in darkness for far too long. We've been, we've been sitting alone by ourselves for far too long. Now is the time to embrace the morning, to embrace the sunshine, to take it all in and to recognize that this is the beginning of something great. And now is the time. And we need all of you. We need all of your voices we know all of your beautiful faces because you are created with the fa- in the face of God, with the spark of the divine inside of you. And we have a story to tell. You know what it's time to do? It's time for all of us to link hands and make our way over to the electric fence. <laughs> <laughs> And I know, I know, it's like, ah, I mean, come on. There's a little bit of anticipation. You're wondering what it's going to be like. You don't know if you're going to be able to handle it or not. But let me just invite you. Let's grab onto that thing. <laughs> Let's hang on. Let's let that energy just surge through us. It may sting a bit, but let me tell you. It's going to be the ride of our lives. Amen. Let's go. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again. And may you know joy in powerful ways this week.